0: just looking at the words in this one song here, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. And he goes on and says, Early let us turn to thee. We need the Lord. We need him. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1 today. Paul, in his writings some of the churches, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, and some others, you will see that he says things in two or three verses that really, it's it's almost as like one thing after the other after the other, and, and there's like a string of things that he says, and they're related, but yet he's praying or wishing or desiring the church the people the individuals to see certain things uh, not just with their eyes but seeing with their hearts understanding with their hearts and his prayer is that in spirit that they would move into something and in Ephesians Let's uh, go to chapter 1, put a uh, marker there because we're going to come back in and out of Ephesians 1. Now I want to read the verses here, three verses, and then I want to go to some other verses uh, elsewhere also. But you'll see what I mean whenever we read these verses, that there's there's so much jam-packed into these that I felt to just take a little bit of time today and look at certain things in the verses and kind of break them down, see if the Lord can show us something in them. When I read some of the epistles here and I see some of the things that Paul says, it's like, Lord, help me. I was praying last night and I was looking at this and I said, personally for me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Because without his help, me, I will never be able to move into some of these things. And there's another thing I didn't look at, but I'm not going to talk about it. But it brings up another question as far as your lifespan. Can a person obtain certain things being a Christian for five years as opposed to 45 years? And there's something dealing with the heart that that I was looking at that that tells me that a person can obtain quite a bit. In these verses, like I said, when I was looking at this last night, I was just um, sitting in my office and tearing up and saying, Lord, you know some of these things, I mean, I desire them, but how is he going to accomplish some of these things in my life? How is he going to accomplish certain things in your life? It's by the grace of God and the Spirit of God. But Let's read these. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his his mighty power? So I looked at some of the words here and also certain things. Now the first thing I want to look at is in verse 17 that he says that, that he may give us that the Father through Jesus Christ may give us the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Well, what is the knowledge of him? Do we have the knowledge of him? Do all Christians have what Paul is saying here, the knowledge of him? Now, when we initially come to Christ, our eyes are opened, and we do have, to a very small degree, a knowledge of God. We have a knowledge of God based upon initial salvation. But the knowledge of God here that Paul is talking about, remember, he's talking to Christians. He's not talking about initial salvation here. He's talking about something that is far beyond. He's talking about a goal, something that that is there for each to attain to. Not, Not necessarily initial salvation at all. And so he says the knowledge of God. Now, this word here comes from a root word, and it means to know accurately, or it can mean correct knowledge, and it means to recognize. Do you, do I, do Christians recognize God? And what I mean by that is when the Lord comes in, in a way maybe that is different than He's come before. Can I recognize, will the Lord enlighten me to see that, to recognize that this is Him? Because there are a lot of Christians who believe that certain things are from God that are not from God, and certain things that come are from Satan and they're not from Satan. So in order to recognize What is from God and what is not from God? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, all things come from God. But I'm talking about recognizing if something is coming from the enemy of your soul or something is coming from him. Or do I recognize that something in a situation that I'm in is from God? Do I recognize God in it? And something that comes from him can be so disguised that we will not think it's from God. We will not think. So the knowledge of God is a recognition of certain things that are moving in spirit related, not just to you, but mainly to you in your circumstances, but, but also related to others in, you know the whole realm of life. And the uh, one meaning here of the knowledge of God that I liked out of all of them. And I don't remember if this was from the Thayers or where it was from, but it means to become fully acquainted with, fully acquainted with. So that there is a knowing of God that is far beyond initial salvation, and there is a knowing of God that some, and I don't want to say many, but some do not have. And that is not something that you know we can um, say. How can I say this? It's not something that we can push into, in and of ourselves, in our own strength. The knowledge of God, to know Him in a fuller way, is something that the Spirit of God brings to us. Now, of course, we have a part to play. But it's not of our strength, and we can't strain after certain things. The Lord just has to bring them. We walk with him, and he brings certain things to us. And so the knowledge of God is something. Now, I don't have it here in in my notes, but there's a scripture. I, I think it's in Corinthians. It says, Awake to righteousness, and sin not. For some do not have the knowledge of God. And then he says, I speak this to your shame. And in a few verses down, it says that there is a glory of the sun and a glory of the moon and a glory of the stars and stars differ in glory from one another. You know, not all have a knowledge of God related to the glory of God that he wants to put in people. And so there are Christians who, they're, they're satisfied with initial salvation, going to church and going through their religious duties and going to heaven. That's their main focus. You know, they may you know, come to church and they enjoy church and the gifts of the Spirit and singing and all that. But as far as the knowledge of God to take them deeper into something that, and it's not about information. It's not about what we know in our mind and our head and, and what we study and, and understand. The knowledge of God is something far beyond that. It's dealing with relationship. It's dealing with a connection between our spirit and him and all that that brings to us and takes out of us and so on. You know, it's quite involved. So in hold your place there in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, uh, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So in this particular scripture here, Paul says that he's praying for them, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in wisdom and in understanding, or in wisdom and revelation, that there would be an understanding of his will as that applies to us as Christians individually, but also how that applies to us in the grand scheme of things as far as where we are placed here now in history in in our time do we understand the will of god related to what's going on and to us in that so he's praying that the church here would understand that they would uh, be filled with a knowledge of his will that they would walk worthy of the lord pleasing him and then he goes on, and he says, an increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, in verse 9 and in verse 10, in verse 9 it says that you would be filled, and in verse 10 it talks about increasing, and both of those verbs are passive, which means that you receive the action. So, as I see it, we are to walk with God in his will and his way, what he's showing us And as we do that, we will be increasing in the knowledge of God. See, you cannot increase in the knowledge of God if you walk in your own will and your own way. You cannot increase in the knowledge of God if you decide you're going to do this, that, or the other thing apart from the Spirit of God leading you to or not to, you know, whatever that may be for you. So the increase, we, we walk with him and he takes care of the increase. So I think that there is not an increase as far as maturity and development in some Christians that I meet because they are not walking with God personally in their, uh, in their, in their life, in their circumstance. They're not looking for the ways of God. They're not looking for him. And because they are not, and they're just interested in whatever they're interested in, and they're they're just going through, so to speak, tradition, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're saved or not, church can become a tradition. Anything can become a tradition. Reading the Bible can become tradition. Anything can. And so the Lord has to work beyond that to try to get a person to understand a knowledge of his will and purpose for them, you know where they fit in. And then to fit in that, whatever it may be, whether you like it or not, that's beside the point, you fit in that and walk with God in that. And then once the individual does that, there is an action from God upon them. They increase in the knowledge of God. You don't increase in the knowledge of God through study, through prayer, through church, through none of that. It's much, much more, although all that is good. There must be something more moving you in the purpose of God and whenever that's occurring in your life and you're walking with him, then you begin to increase in the knowledge of God. So in Ephesians 1, he says that, and he's praying, that the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. But he he doesn't say that the Father uh, of glory would give or should give or will give wisdom or revelation. He doesn't say that. See, wisdom and revelation is one thing. But he uses this phrase here for a purpose. He says, the spirit of. The spirit of, or it's going to take, the word spirit, one of the meanings is to breathe upon. So it's going to take the breath of God, the life of God, breathing upon you and me as we walk in his purpose see it's going to take that it's going to take other things it's going to take time for the Lord to bring if he can if he can bring a Christian to the place where they have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and that being in the knowledge of him. So it's just not wisdom, and it's just not revelation. You you and I can have wisdom in something. We can have a revelation in the Word. We can have revelation in our life. We can have revelation in this or that. But he says the spirit of, and that, that defines that, and it makes that something further. It makes that something out there to attain to, That, you know, through initial salvation and being a Christian for a short period of time is not going to bring a person into that. It's just going to take the breath of God breathing on us. And uh, last night I was sitting there and just meditating about that. And um, I, I look here today and I see how the Spirit of God has breathed upon your life, each of you, to bring you to where you are now today. And I I look at myself and I say, wow, it's, it's amazing that God even was able to get through to me, let alone work in my life to do some of the things that he's done. And then I'm I'm thinking that how much more of his breath, of his life, is necessary to bring me into that? I I don't know. I don't know. You know, all I can do is say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. You know, I feel at times, I don't know if you've ever felt this, I feel at a loss. You know, Lord... I know that you want me to walk with you, but how are you going to do some of these things? How? Now, hold your place there and go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, verse 16. That he would grant you. Now, now that, that doesn't mean that we have it. That means that there's potential, there's possibility that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend and this to me is a very poor translation the word comprehend. And I looked at several translations and I looked at I can't tell you how many, maybe four different word study uh, tools. And it doesn't mean to comprehend. When I hear the word "comprehend," I think, maybe it's me, you know that you can you're comprehending with your mind. But it's not talking about comprehending with your mind. It's talking about possessing. It actually means to lay hold of, that you may be able to lay hold of. ...or to apprehend what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. So there is in God a, a depth. We, we know that. And it says in, I think it's Corinthians, that the Spirit searches the deep things of God. The search, he knows all things... And he searches the deep things of God. And the reason for the search there, I believe, is that he, he looks at your heart, my heart, and he sees uh, the capacity there. He sees the desire there. And so now he sees how, how that thing, how big it is, so to speak. And now he's going to search the deep things of God and take something out of there that can fit in that small area. And then once he fits that in, now there is going to have to be an expansion in order for him to search some other deep thing of God, to take that and put that in our hearts. And that is a marvelous work of the Spirit to do that and to be able to work in your heart and my heart to bring about an enlargement so that we, we can, we're able to hold more than we were able to hold last year. And so this comprehension here is not to comprehend, it's to lay hold of. You lay hold of something. See? Well, you're going to lay hold of something, As you walk with him and you have a surrendered heart to him, he sees that and then the Spirit of God can breathe upon you and I and bring something that is of the deep in God when we need it, when we're ready for it, when we can contain it. Uh, He brings that and, and he brings it into your life and into the glory of God. Into, in, in. The Greek word is en, en, means in. And that gives a totally different perspective than what you see with religion. Religion becomes tradition. You go to some of the churches, like the church I grew up in, everything was tradition. They went through all the rituals every week. And there was nothing of God that was brought to the people at all. Just a basic doctrine that a person knows in their mind. That's it. But see, the Spirit of God, he is going to take the deep things of God and not just cause tradition. Men can cause tradition, but he's not going to do that. He is going to take it and put it in in you. Well, let's turn to uh, a couple of scriptures. So the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation will bring the knowledge of God. Now, I don't have enough time, but I wanted to read some, some verses, but let's just look at a couple real quick. Go to Romans 11. I want to read Proverbs. Now, if you remember in uh, the book of Hosea, It talks about a lack of the knowledge of God. The Lord says that through Hosea. And, of course, it was because of where Israel was, where their hearts were, and they were involved with idolatry and so forth. And today, I believe in the land and in the world, there is a lack of the knowledge of God. Uh, Of course, initially, as far as salvation, yes, but even past that, for the Christian, there is a lack of the knowledge of God. In Proverbs, it says this. My son, if you receive my words, number one, you treasure my commandments within you, number two, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, number three, and apply your heart to understanding, number four. Yes, if you cry out for discernment. See, so there's, there's something in the heart that wants to discern for the right reason. Number five. And if you lift up your voice for understanding. So th- there is this is a picture of a heart that is wanting God and wants to move toward God, wants to know him more. And then he goes on in verse four, he says, and if you seek for her, meaning wisdom, as silver. So you can see this is a heart that wants him, seeking, desiring and you search for her her as for hidden treasure, then if if all these things are uh, moving in a person's heart, if they're bringing this correct heart in this, what's going to happen? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So it's not just that you decide to go in the Bible and now you're going to have the knowledge of God. You're going to memorize scripture. You're going to have the knowledge of God. You're going to attend church. You're going to get the knowledge of God. You're going to pray ten times a day. You're going to get the knowledge of God. No, it's going to take walking a certain way with the Lord. And as we do that, we will have, of course, seeking heart and so forth, we, and we come into some of these things here that he mentions here in Proverbs 2. Then the Lord sees that heart and begins now this process of giving the knowledge of God, imparting the knowledge of God a little bit at a time, here and there and so forth, and, until the person becomes a, a reservoir of the knowledge of the Lord and becomes a well. Then, uh, how's that scripture go? Then you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Well, that means other, other people that become a reservoir. In Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Paul says, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Or if they're, if they're, if they're unsearchable and past finding out, then you know, why bother? Well, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying that there is so much there in God. There is a depth in God that no man can plumb that deep. But that's not to say that the Lord does not want to bring the deep things into your life. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Verse 36. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. And in 1 Corinthians 2, there's the verse, in verse 10. For God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. But I want to show you verse 15 and 16. But he who is spiritual, you know what that means? That means the one who is dominated by the Spirit of God. That's the one who is spiritual. He who is spiritual judges or discerns all things, yet he himself is rightly discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But he said, This is what Paul says. But we have the mind of Christ. That to me is the key. We have the mind of Christ. Now we have a starting point where now the Lord can renew our minds. Uh, we can start to see some of the things that the Lord desires and some of the things that he has for each. And having the mind of Christ now will help us along the way so that we can obtain or comprehend what is the length, the width, the height, the breadth, and to know the love of Christ, that we would be able to comprehend or that we may be able to possess some of the things that are deeper, that are in the Lord that He wants to give us. If you ever catch a little glimpse of some of the things that are deeper than you, you will see and you will understand that we must, we must direct our hearts toward him. You know, if we're ever going to possess what it is that he wants us to possess in this lifetime, it's going to take our shoulder to the grind. It's going to take a plowing and not looking back. It's going to take being yoked together with the Lord Jesus Christ. It must. It must. For the Christian who's not too concerned about anything but going to heaven, and please, maybe pleasing the Lord in certain things, whatever, you know, then their, their focus is you know, going to heaven and, and so forth. Uh, like one individual said, this was their view of church. They said that uh, church is good music and good food. This is a Christian, by the way. That's their view of church. Well, if we have a, a view like that, we are blind. If we have the view, if Christian has a view that just going to heaven is the goal, then there's not a setting of the heart toward the Lord And possessing and attaining certain things will be impossible. Will be impossible for them. I mean, they have salvation; they'll go to heaven. I mean, that's all good. I mean, that's wonderful. You know, like my mother used to say, you know, witness to someone, and you know, she leads them to the Lord. She said, "I just snatched another one out of the flames. Praise God." But why were they snatched out of the flames to go to heaven? Yes, indirectly, but there's so much more. And Paul's epistles, see, he brings these things out. He says these things for reasons, not because God just wants to talk or write. Now, in as I said before, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, the true knowledge of God, will bring about a better resurrection. That's what it's to bring about. If you have the knowledge of God, it's going to bring about a better resurrection, as I said before, there's a different glory of the, of the sun, the moon, and so forth, the stars, and so forth. That's in the context there. It says that some do not have the knowledge of God, is what he says. Then he goes on and talks about the glory of the sun, the glory of the moon, and so forth. So the knowledge of God in your life is, is to move you toward a better resurrection. Now, I don't understand it, but I do believe it. And you even see that in Hebrews, where they didn't accept deliverance because of better resurrection. It doesn't mean that they're going to be raised differently as far as the mechanics of it. The glory that comes out from the grave will be different, will be more. Now, in uh, back in Ephesians here, chapter 1. So verse 18 says that the eyes of your understanding... Being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding. Once again, understanding does not mean information. The word understanding is the Greek word cardia. Now, you know what cardia is, don't you? What's cardia? The English word heart. Yes. He's not talking about your understanding. Well, he is talking about understanding, but he's not talking about the understanding with your mind. Nothing at all like that. He says, the eyes of your heart being enlightened, or the eyes of your being, the eyes of the central part of your being being enlightened. That's what Paul's praying for here. That's what he's saying. See, he goes down and he mentions at least four things in Ephesians 1 here that he's desiring for the church, not just the Ephesian church, the other churches too. He's desiring these things. That the eyes of their heart, of their inner character, uh, that, that they would grasp the character of the Lord. Now, if you are able to see at times in your life the character of Christ, you know, maybe, you know, you do something and, you know, how the Spirit of God can check you and, you know, the Spirit of God comes and he checks you and and then he shows you his character. Or or in other words, he, he checks you and shows you the proper response in that. And what he's doing there is he's showing you his character. So the eyes of our understanding or the eyes of our being, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we could see this character of him and act accordingly, move accordingly. And I shared with you a long time ago that something happened when I was working and I went into the restroom and the mirrors were just totally, totally filthy, dirty. The guy uh, that I know that does that didn't do it for over four months. And you have, uh, have over 100 people washing their hands and everything and splashing on the mirrors. You couldn't even see in the mirrors. And so I got a little frustrated and I grabbed the soap out of the soap dispenser and I, well, I'll put it on the mirrors. I said, well, now nah, he's got to clean them. And I turned around and walked like five, ten steps, and the Spirit of the Lord just stopped me dead and said, What did you do? And I says, Oh, gee, I know, Lord. Okay. I knew what I had to do. I went in there and I cleaned all five of those mirrors. And not only did I did it that day, I did it for months. And my eyes were open because I did something that I knew I shouldn't have done, but you know how we get sometimes, you know, we just don't think, and we do something. And so I did it, and the Lord came so gently, like he always does, or most of the time does, and showed me his character. He would never do that. He would have went in and just washed them, right? See, just knowing that is one thing. But see, I had to do something. I had to to follow through on the character that I saw there. And so I was able to do that. And the eyes of my understanding, as far as his character, was enlightened in that. I, I I know that he wouldn't do that. And he showed me a portion of his character in that. And he does the same thing with you. He will show you his character for the purpose of enlightenment for the purpose of enlightenment, so that you're changed. You're changed. So that the eyes of your understanding or your heart being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So that that tells me that if I do not go through the process and allow the Lord to enlighten my eyes, I am really not going to see uh, the hope of his calling. I'm not going to understand the hope or the purpose he has. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? So that brings us to another thing here. In verse 19, he says, What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Where? Read it. Where? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in, 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 in. And this is the Greek word, what is it? Um, Yeah, en, en, it's a Greek uh, preposition. It means in. So if you have a circle here, it doesn't mean outside the circle. It doesn't mean on the other side, it doesn't mean through. It means in. Romans 8, turn there. Romans 8:18 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us in us So there's something going on here. So as you walk with God, he's doing other things that you may not be aware of. And he does that quite frequently. And one of them is he, he's placing the glory of God in you. See, as it's said back in, in Ephesians, his inheritance in the saints, in them. And here you see the glory which is going to be revealed in, in you. Well, how does it get in you? Well, it's a it's work of the Spirit of God. He puts it in you. See, that becomes an inheritance. It's not some mansion in the sky. You can take the mansions, you can take all that. I would rather have the glory of God in me. I don't care about all this other stuff. You know, Christians say, well, I get to heaven, I'm going to have a mansion here and a mansion there, and, you know, a summer house here and there. And they're missing the whole point. And by the way, in John, when he talks about in my Father's house or many mansions, the word mansions means dwelling places. It doesn't mean a mansion mansion. Necessarily, it means a dwelling place. He has a place for you. That's something different. In chapter uh, 9 of Romans, verse 23, and that he might make known. Now, here's, here's again, in the English, you see the word he may make known. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a guaranteed thing. That he make, might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared before, beforehand for glory. So who are the vessels of mercy? Well, you are. You are. And he has prepared something. But that you might know what, what is the riches of that glory. See, so if, if we can understand to some degree, because of, of what the Spirit of the Lord has done in our heart and life, if we can understand the riches of that glory that he is, is working into us, then we're going to be more apt to walk with him to obtain more of that to a greater degree. So it's not about just going to church, as we've said many, many times. It's not about just all these things. It's, th- these are good, But there is something that the Lord wants to do in you while you're in church or while you're at home. You know, as I said earlier, I sit sometimes and, you know, I'll be before the Lord. And I say, Lord, how are we going to do this? (laughs) Lord, help me, help me, help me. I've been a Christian a long time. But, you know, that time alone is not the the uh, the answer it's the spirit of god moving and working within us in colossians you don't have to turn there 127 says to them god will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles he's talking about the gentiles which is christ in you The hope of glory. So when you came to the Lord initially, you were put in Christ. And that happens instantly. But Christ in you now is going to take a lifetime. If you are going to have the character of the Lord, and I'm going to have that, it's going to take. Quite a work of God. I would, would love, and I know the Lord normally doesn't do something like this. I've seen it a couple times, but not, not on a large scale. But what if the Lord was, just like he did with Jesus, you know, when Jesus went up to the mount, he lifted off the, the top of the pot, so to speak, to, so you could see what was inside. So there, Jesus is at the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's transfigured before the disciples, and it was like they were in shock. They didn't know that that glory was in Jesus. They didn't know that. And so he just lifted that off, and they saw it, and they were just like, And then Paul comes along, and he says that that glory would be in you. The mystery among that, which is Christ in you, the hope, not just the hope of realizing the glory, as some translations say, but the hope of him taking the glory of Jesus and putting that in you. The hope of that. I'm telling you. You know, I, I think about some of these things and it's like I, I just want to sit there and cry. You, you know, how much there is that God has for us. And the church, you, you know, worldwide, universally, is missing so much. You, you know, They're not walking with God in a way to obtain certain things. They're more interested in works and works are good. But see, God must work in the worker so that the work that comes out is what he wants. It's not just work. Somebody else can benefit from your works if you go to the soup kit- kitchen and feed people. They're benefiting from your works. But see, unless the Lord works in you in the work, then you're not benefiting. So, there is quite a bit, quite a bit. Now, just in closing... He also talks about the greatness of his power toward us. And by the way, that toward there is, is the word ice, which means toward and into. So the power of God, people relate that a lot to miracles. And of course, that's true. But the power of God, as I see it in the scriptures, is the power to change the heart of man. The power of God. The, the greatness of of his power, that we would realize the greatness of his power toward us and how that power wants to move into us. Now, as I mentioned last week briefly, in Ephesians, go back there in closing real quick. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, where Paul begins here, he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give, may give, is an optative mood, and but I, I was looking at that this morning. And some grammarians, grammar, grammar, grammarians—is that how it's pronounced? I think people that study grammar say that there is that's in the New Testament sixty-seven times. But I can't find it. But I'm going to be looking. <laughs> I, that's I'm curious about that. But I find too. And it can express a wish or desire, period. But it also, and I'll read the the meaning, it can express a wish or desire for an action to occur, for an action to occur, in which the completion of that is doubtful. And what I'm seeing here is there is a string of things that Paul is talking about, at least four or five things that he brings out, that he, he wants, this is his desire and prayer and wish for the church, and we covered some of those, that they would be enlightened and so forth, that this would occur in them. But that is doubtful that they are going to obtain, now it can mean that, that all of them, Meaning he's doubtful that all of them will attain to that. Or it can mean that he's doubtful that many of them, a few of them, may attain to what he's saying. In the measure he's talking about. Not just a portion of it, but in a great, we're talking about a great measure. And so so Paul praises, puts it in that mood, saying that, He's desiring for this to occur in the Christians, but the completion of it is doubtful. So that says to me that there is more that the Lord wants to do, and there is more that we as Christians are, are to walk in, to move toward Him, in, and, and so forth, so that in this life that we have that's, that's fleeting, that's going by so quickly, that at the end of our life, by the grace and help of God, that we will attain to some of the, the things that Paul has said. Okay, thank you.